0: And we said, what do you like about SnapClose? What can we do better? And a lot of them were just, hey, I'm happy with the platform. I don't really even like the idea of change, but I guess you could probably do this. So it was those little, but you could do this, that ended up leading into this entire development chart of these are the things that we need to move forward with. Little conversations with your customers, regardless of your industry, will open up things for your marketing or for your business, for things to focus on that you may not know.
1: When we think about branding, many people imagine picking the right colors, slapping a sleek company logo on a flyer or website and calling it a day. But branding is so much more than that. It's all about the experience you give your customers. And it starts from the moment they first visit your website. I spoke with Mitch Sullivan from SnapClose to talk more about how user experience and technology is influencing marketing in the title industry. I'm Amanda Farrell, and this is Title Talks. Hey, Mitch, how are you?
0: Hey, good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, thank you. So how have you been? How's your day going so far?
0: Oh, actually, tragic. We've had the internet on and off been out, so let's hope that this goes well. They said the outage is completely done, but when it's COVID and you're working from home, having an internet outage basically means no work.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you taking time and fingers crossed that um, our connection stays strong. (laughs) Yeah. So why don't we go ahead and get started, uh, introduce yourself, tell me a little bit about who you are, your background in your current role, what you're doing with Snap Clothes, and maybe a little fun fact about yourself.
0: Yeah, so I I don't know if you can blatantly hear by my accent, but I'm Australian. So I've lived in America for about the past four years. Uh, I'm a marketing consultant, and I have been for the past eight years. I actually run my own agency, so I'm sort of an external, internal marketer for Snapclose. And yeah, I've been a a failed entrepreneur a few times. Uh, One was a dating app, one was a childcare service so yeah, yeah I was, I was,
1: i'm curious about the the dating app i looked into that a little bit it's, it was called paired um, pa-
0: paired exactly so a play on words it took, i was actually thought that was brilliant when i came up with the name not to toot my own horn there yeah exactly so it it failed miserably if we it okay I'll, I'll i'll backtrack a little bit we had about 200 app downloads a day however by the first week apple went hey you're violating our terms and conditions pulled the app which then resulted in huge development costs moving forward. So I would say it was half successful, half not. It was a good learning curve. And I've taken a lot of that experience with me, especially since Apple actually allowed another app to exist that basically had the same features. So, but I won't go into too much detail on that.
1: <laughs> well, well. so now you're working at SnapClose and tell me a little bit about that, working in such a heavily regulated industry like the title industry, uh, what are some of the challenges that you faced as a marketer, marketing this product, um, maybe even developing the product, what are some of the things that are going on in terms of, of those challenges for you guys?
0: So, I mean, this might be bias. I mean, I came from healthcare and I came specifically from 340B in healthcare, which is one of the most regulated industries. I won't go into too much about it, but you know, we can't even say the word revenue. So, so there's words we can't say in our marketing or you just heavily find. So I haven't found too much issues in terms of what we're marketing. I guess the issue I find, especially being an Australian in this country is every state is different. And and even then the cultures of every state is different, but then you've got different laws in every state and I find that challenging. But overall, I'm actually happy to be in this industry compared to healthcare. That, that would be my statement on that.
1: And so can you tell me a little bit about the landscape of you know creating software in this industry, um, I mentioned about the UI of other closing software that I've seen. And it's very yep. antique, antiquated looking, like something out of the 90s in terms of operating systems. So, what was like your impression of that? Having developed an app, and you know, what did you think about that when you first were exposed to this industry and the kind of software the professionals I mean, use?
0: I think that products are a reflection of the market. So, and I'll use an example. So in Australia, it's a very big country. There's 25 million people in the in a country that's the size of the continental US. So Australian banks have to have a really heavy digital presence. They're required to do that. Consumers demand it and it's made the product have UI, have UX, that you can go on a phone, go into your web browser, whatever, and you get a great experience, to the point that my community credit union has as good of an app as Chase, which is the biggest bank in the world, to give that in concept. So I I don't necessarily think the UI is is bad. I think one, I think the product is really complex. There's a lot of complexities to it. You know, you have integrations with underwriters, you have all of these things going on in the background. Um, It's not as stock standard as say a dating app, which is just an algorithm. Um, I also think that the industry hasn't truly demanded it. And I can kind of go into that a little bit later, but I've spoken with people that are quite happy with the UI UX design of a lot of these softwares out there. So it's, it's kind of fighting an old old battle with people that are happy with what they have.
1: Yeah. from my conversations with a lot of title agents, I think a lot of people are resistant to change in some ways just because it's a change in process. And because they're so concerned about the insurability, the marketability of the title policies that they're producing, they, they don't want to do too much to, I guess, mess with that current workflow that they have. But I'm always curious because one of the things I also hear is how difficult it is to recruit new people into the industry. Um, And I do feel like that having software that kind of is more intuitive and better designed will definitely help retain people who are interested in it because I can just imagine a lot of younger people coming in, you know, working as a processor in the beginning, maybe, and if they're working with something where it's just something they've never even seen, I remember as a millennial, what those things look like in the 90s, because I'm an elder millennial, but I can't even imagine like a younger millennial or general Gen Zer going into that kind of industry and just being like, this is insane. So <laughs> do you think that, you know, there are maybe some title agents, agent attorneys who are aware of that and are interested in better Software experience, not just for their current employees, but just for you know building that ability to recruit new people.
0: One hundred percent, yeah, and and even at Snackbox, we're creating a new product specifically for this reason. You know, I mean, eventually, and I don't want to offend remotely anybody, but it eventually the market will change and demographics will change, and millennials will make up the majority of the job force. So if you don't have a product that reflects that, then it's going to be an issue. But You know, I would still say that a lot of millennials are happy with it. But as you said, they're used to cleaner software, cleaner interfaces, seamless integrations and things like that. So it's definitely a challenge moving forward. And I think that companies or title software that doesn't or doesn't change with the times is going to be left behind. Yeah, it's more a thing that eventually it needs to have that that overflow of millennials that are now the, the majority for, I think for it to be a massive change across the industry, which isn't the case just yet.
1: Honestly, the, the current needs of the market seem to be being, seem to be met by a lot of those older operating systems, which I'm kind of surprised about actually that you don't hear from more people wanting something simpler, cleaner in terms of how SnapClose kind of takes this really complicated title production process and sort of streamlines it.
0: I, I've been involved in a, lot, in a lot of the development talks about this. And, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in creating products myself. Um, I guess I could give an answer from a marketing perspective. And my answer from a marketing perspective is this, is to create a product, we sat down our top 20 customers and, and, and some other ones. And we didn't just leave anyone out, but we, we basically sat down the people we knew would listen. And we said, what do you like about Snapclose? What can we do better? What do you think we need to do? And, they gave us a lot of details a lot of them were just hey i'm happy with the platform i don't really even like the idea of change but i guess you could probably do this so it was those little but you could do this that ended up leading into hey look we have this entire web development board or or this entire development chart of these are the things that we need to move forward with so these little conversations with your customers regardless of your industry will open up things for your marketing or for your business for things to focus on that you may not know so that's how the development stemmed from that. I really love companies that do that. If you don't talk to your customers, you won't know. Uh, speaking of the dating app, um, it was created by all men, you know, including myself. There was nine founders, a lot of us, which obviously held an issue because we didn't really understand what women were looking for when they're trying to date. So, uh, you know, we had major development issues when we launched it. It was kind of like, oh, hey, we need to fix this straight away because we didn't take into consideration that women like to expand profiles and see a lot more details
1: yeah i can tell you from my own experience men do not read read your full profile they usually don't even read the first line of your profile because usually they will message you and say something in such a way where it's like you don't even know what i'm, I'm looking for on here like you didn't even it, you didn't even bother to read it so why should i respond um <laughs>
0: Exactly. So we had biographies, but we didn't have the ability for you to click and see it unless you'd already matched. So that was the issue we found. And a lot of, you know, as soon as we opened up for beta testing, a lot of our women customers just went, Well, why can't I see what they they have to say before I've matched with them? And I'm like, That's a good. You don't just good.
1: look at the picture? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently not.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Part of our research was, and I, and I kind of feel bad even saying it, that I was pretty quick to tell them why I was on the app, But I would download competitors like Bumble and Tinder and I would match with someone and then I would get them to the point of saying, like, hey, so what don't you like about this app? Like, what, what could it do better? What, do you, what would you like to see in, from your dating experience and things like that? So that was actually how we created the product in the first place.
1: Can you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, how SnapClose accommodates this changing demographic of the workers inside the industry and the demands and sort of new vision of what the closing experience is like for both the people doing the work and for consumers?
0: Well, I, I think you can just look at what coronavirus has done and it's, it's forced us to go digital. So that's been our mindset with it is, is hey, look, let, let's, let's be proactive in terms of what we're doing and, and create something that is better prepared for something like this in the future. So, and, and you can look at that. And most counties are doing e-recording and things like that. And it's becoming more digitized whether people like it or not. But yeah, I, I, again, I, I think it's something that if you don't do it, you'll be left behind. Just look at Blockbuster and Netflix. Netflix came to Blockbuster and said, hey, do you want to buy for $10 million? Blockbuster said, no, I don't see digital streaming happening. Blockbuster now has one store. And don't quote me on that. I believe they still only have one store. They may have closed during this whole coronavirus. And Netflix is now a fortune 500 company. So do not be afraid that the world is moving towards e-recording. Don't be afraid to use these digital services such as cloud. Really just embrace it because no matter what, whether you like it or not, unfortunately, it's going to go down that path. The sooner you can get in there, learn the software, learn all of these little intricacies with this, you'll be able to better prepare yourself and your competitors as well.
1: That's a great point. I had no idea that Netflix actually made an offer to Blockbuster that they had like a chance for a really great exit strategy and just totally blew it.
0: So (laughs) several offers and a lot of people within Blockbuster said, Hey, let's build our own platform and completely wipe them off the face of the earth. And they still said, no, we don't see it happening. We don't see digital streaming becoming or replacing the idea of in-house, whatever you want to call Blockbuster video store. So, don't be like that. Yeah, that, that, that's been our motto throughout the whole thing, and, and we're going to continue to have that motto of updating software and keeping up with the times and keeping up with those demanding uh, forces.
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about the adoption of technology in the title industry in general. SnapClose is a cloud based system, is that correct?
0: We offer both. So we offer both cloud and server based. Um, yeah, so, so that's where my mindset comes from. I see both sides of the spectrum. I see people that are hugely opposed to the cloud for whatever reason. And, you know, perhaps that's coming from an older perspective. Maybe you've been in the industry a long time. Maybe it has nothing to do with demographic. But, you know, even explaining the cloud to say someone like my mum is a difficult thing. Now you have to explain the security behind it and how it's secure and things like that. So, yeah, short answer, we offer both.
1: Can I ask you, you said it's difficult to explain, but for those who are listening who maybe don't know what cloud-based means, can you kind of give... um, sort of a description of that?
0: I'll, I'll try not to butcher it. Um, the cloud basically just refers to software that runs on the internet and instead of on your local computer. It's, it's on the internet, I'll say that.
1: Right, um, and, and in terms of cybersecurity, there's still you know, important security measures that are taken obviously within those kind of applications.
0: Of course, I mean, but I can hack a local, well, I can't personally, but someone can hack a local computer. You know, so there's, there's security issues with both. And there's actually, um, w- which is kind of on this topic, we actually just released an email to all of our customers basically saying, Hey, look, if you're still on windows seven, you're at huge security risk because windows isn't actually going to be maintaining that anymore. And i was surprising to see how many people still had windows seven. That kind of gives you a bit of an idea of that, but
1: we've had issues with some of our clients because we have a webinar service podcast that is browser based. So there's no call-in number, and there's also uh you have to have like updated browsers like Microsoft Edge. And we were actually really surprised how many people still were using Internet Explorer. So it's yeah, there's I think a lot of people when they're using certain operating systems, even when they have it downloaded, they're not aware of like there's still patches being done. And if you're using an older version of something that that company like Microsoft has advised you to to update you are there's no ex- added security of using this older software because you are exposing yourself essentially to these vulnerabilities without having the most updated versions. Exactly. Can you tell me a little, little, bit, little bit more about like the benefits of, of cloud computing? Do you, do you have any like kind of shorthand items that you give to people when they're trying to figure out, well, should we do cloud-based versus the software that's downloaded into their, onto their devices?
0: So I actually heavily promoted this um, across Google Ads, across our website and things like that, which with the slogan of the cloud can't be shut down. While most real estate industries were considered essential services, you still had the issues of, of making sure your office was up to standard with a lot of those state home policies and things like that. That to me is the biggest benefit of cloud computing or, or cloud software in general. You can do it from anywhere. You can collaborate from anywhere instead of having it on a local. Yes, you can bring your computer home, but it, it still has a lot of those issues that you're just not going to have on the cloud. That was what we found. And that was also, ironically, the, the challenge of it is people don't really like the idea of that. That was, those were the issues and the, I guess, the, the descriptions we were using in terms of when we were targeting people for this campaign.
1: Have you seen an increase in interest maybe from your current client base in, in cloud computing since COVID-19 happened?
0: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it, it's, it's also something that I guess people should understand that if you are going from a server to a cloud, there's probably more costs associated because you're taking the storage from yourself onto the companies server base so but yes definitely we had a lot of inquiries with that we released a lot of material on, on how we can help you through that and understand the benefits of it and i think that's all you can do during a time like this is is just educate people as best as you can i completely understand it from a title agent or a lawyer who's ever perspective that doesn't have the time perhaps to understand a little bit of the software interest because he's
1: and you mentioned cost of you know storing files and whatnot on to another server versus their own server, are there other drawbacks associated with cloud computing
0: for me it, you are safer on on the cloud than you are on your own local computer I mean I, most of us out there have had a virus in our computer, but I haven't had any experience with my google drive or or any cloud software that I use having an issue so that that that's my standpoint you those companies, including us you know we use a w s they're 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 so security just focus that you really it's it'd be it'd take years to penetrate it
1: can you talk a little bit more about the what snap Close offers how does the the software like snap Close allow smaller agencies to compete with you know maybe bigger organizations in the title industry space because you talked a little bit about you know if you're mm. not adapting you're going to get left behind so how do you as a marketer kind of Talk about those sort of things. How do you um, reach different audiences, and how does SnapClose sort of accommodate each each person there?
0: I think, firstly, our product provides integrations regardless of the size of your talent. So that seems to be you know, pretty popular amongst everyone. Um, but our customer support, you know, and I'm just, not just saying this as as someone that works at SnapClose, but we really, you know, we're a family-owned business, and we try to handhold you through a lot of the processes. So, you know, we had a webinar on Windows Seven. We had our customer support team actively go out to people individually, and reach out to them and ask them for that. So I'd say that allows smaller companies that don't have the IT stuff that don't have you know, all of these things that can research this, the ability to compete and uh, against these bigger companies that do have the human resources to do that.
1: And as a professional with an extensive background in marketing, what are some of the tips that you would give to talent professionals looking to grow their business?
0: Yeah, I, my, my biggest thing, and I see it everywhere across this industry is you, know, you cannot compete against larger companies that have a bigger resource or that, that have more people that have a bigger budget. So don't try to do it. Gary Vee is one of my favorite people. And he says, play to your strengths. Play to what you are. Not Don't, play, try, don't try to play to what you're not. You're not going to have a Google Ads budget that can compete with a bigger company. You're not going to have these things. So you know, it, it, let, t- let's take Close as an example. Our software maybe isn't as competitive as others. Where we win is our customer support. Where we win is is these other things is is pricing and things like that so we really focus our wording and our marketing on those benefits so if you're a title company or or if you're in the industry what do you do better than someone else in your industry because you have at least one niche focus on that niche go for it whenever you say that to someone so i've had clients several clients in the past and if you say focus on a niche they kind of get scared because they think the the piece of the pie is going to get smaller But it really, if you can capture most of that pie by being involved in that niche, you're going to end up just far better off. So that would be the advice I would say.
1: And just to go back to like, you know, how title companies can use that, you know, really talking to the user, understanding, you know, from their partners, from their realtors, from their lenders, what it is that they do well. And like you were talking about finding your niche, um, if you're not sure what that is yet, I would definitely recommend to people to start there, to start having those really pointed conversations where you're asking those questions where people might say, oh, everything's fine, but actually, you know, this is one thing that you do well, or this is one thing that I think could be better. And that's where you can really start to think about your market strategy and think about how you can sort of create a narrative to position yourself in the market with this.
0: I definitely agree. I'm actually presenting at my old university as a guest lecturer on this subject in terms of talking to your customers. i I can't express how important that is because at the end of the day i can build a software i can market a software i can sell a software we are not the ones using the software the customer is they're using it day to day they have issues with it they you know they, they find ways to use it that a developer wouldn't in a million years be able to find so they know the issues with it more than you. So in, including in your own services, they, they will find you know, that your phone lines are down at 6 p.m. when you didn't know that. Even just little things like that. You need to talk to them to find out the issues so that you can market yourself better, which is, which is basically exactly what we did with, with snap closures. We looked at it and we went, all right, what is coronavirus doing? Here is the problems that it's going to affect us. So we identified our problem. And then we identified the customer's problem. The customer's problem was quite different. The customer's problem is, hey, now that with these stay-at-home orders, I can't run my business as well. But I also have kind of this apprehension to using the cloud. So that presented an opportunity. All right, hey, they're interested in the cloud, but they don't know what it is, why they should use it, how more expensive it is, or anything about it. So, hey, create these learning materials that teach them on a very broad level. This is what the cloud is. This is how it helps. It's not not scary. Go from there. So I wouldn't have thought that cloud would have had opposition to it or that cloud software would have opposition unless I really sat down with people and spoken to about it. And I guess, especially being from a younger generation, you kind of, and, and everyone really is is having empathy. You don't look at it from another person's perspective a lot of the times. And I think that's what a good marketer should do. So the only way you can do that is by talking to someone, having a conversation. Don't be scared, pick up the phone. Most people will happily chat because you're asking about their life.
1: Definitely. I I totally agree that empathy is key and really asking yourself those questions of, you know, if I were in this person's shoes, what were, what are the things that are important to them? What are the challenges? And how can I help them overcome those challenges?
0: Exactly. So, one thing I actually like to do and it's somewhat off topic and on topic at the same time is I like to scroll through Facebook and I like to see the ads that jump out at me and I go, okay, why did that jump out at me? So the only way you're going to know those things, those triggers that can actually get through to someone is by understanding them in and out. And I think a lot of people are scared to pick up the phone and that's an issue you see a lot of people are I'll just send an email or I'll send a customer survey not a fan of customer surveys don't mean to offend anyone in the customer survey group conspiracy uh but you know pick up your phone we're all humans coronavirus has made it more difficult and easier at the same time to jump on have a zoom chat you'll be surprised at how many people will will have a have a talk with you
1: I do like customer surveys. I like filling them out and I like creating them. But I do agree that it's important to also have conversations with people too. That's
0: important. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I'm not. Tr- I'm not hugely you know against customer surveys. I think they have to be worded in a way that really allows them to elaborate, mm-hmm. and so that they don't feel guilty offending you. Offending you. So I actually prefer an anonymous survey or or really open-ended questions, like, instead of, hey, on a scale of one to five, what do you think? I hate that, because someone's just going to go, oh, whatever, three or four. They're, like, they're just going to breeze through it. So yeah. those are those are my thoughts. But yeah. well, we can do a customer survey uh, podcast next time.
1: Sounds great. <laughs> we just hosted a webinar with Dean from Tidal tap on social media. I was just curious, on that note, are there any tips that you would give regarding using social media as a tool for driving relationships for those title companies? I I hear people talk about how it's a relationship-driven business, but I often don't see a lot of title companies active on social media. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, here's a good example. I'm I'm participating right now in this title talks thing. One, because I want to help people, but two, it's getting exposure to Snapbooks, getting exposure to me, myself, as a personal brand. So there's countless title talk groups title industry, title hashtags, title whatever, that it, even Reddit is a good, good source of this, where you can find people that have queries in your industry that if you answer it and you establish yourself as an industry expert, word of mouth is going to spread and you are going to get benefit from that. So I don't think it's necessarily posting because let's face it, Facebook and platforms like that have really become a pay-to-play platform. If You don't have the money, it's going to be very difficult to grow an organic audience by that but it's not difficult to join a group and answer questions and show you're an industry expert. That's my opinion on that. And I don't see a lot of people doing it. I mean, I I love it. I I have read it on my phone. I turn on notifications that if anyone says anything about title industry, I I get a notification from it. Same thing with Facebook groups and things like that. So I'd say be proactive in the communities of social media rather than focusing on posting a lot because, uh, and I actually did this, so I'll, I'll try to find the exact statistic, but I'm going to butcher it. It's something like 5 million blog posts are posted a day and over 1 trillion social media posts have been posted in the last several years. That's a lot of noise that you have to break through unless your content or what you're saying is a, is very unique or it's very highly beneficial and you've done some research. It's going to be difficult to break through to that crowd. So unless you have the time to produce excellent content, Focus on providing value in the communities instead.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great tip. I've actually mentioned joining LinkedIn groups or starting your own group and really, you know, pushing conversations forward on a specific topic that you're really interested in to kind of elaborate on your your statistic about the blogs. I and mean, honestly, that's why we decided to start making more video content and start this podcast series because we recognize that there's. So many posts going out. This was just one more way to kind of talk about those same topics that we were presenting in the blog, but in a different format. That's really popular right now. 100% agree with you there.
0: Exactly. I mean, and, and that's why I'm here right now is I, I saw that this was, was on there. I felt like I can provide, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the brightest bulb in the bulb shed in terms of the title industries, but I have a good marketing mind and I, I saw, Hey, I can provide value in the community and maybe people recognize that for snap clothes. So the the same thing I'm not suggesting that if you're listening to go onto a podcast, but I am suggesting to just, you know, whatever platform you're comfortable with, whether it's Facebook, join a Facebook group. If it's LinkedIn, join a title group. As you're saying, if you're on Twitter, I love Twitter, find the hashtags relevant to the industry and, and you'll find conversations where you can provide value and you're going to spread the name of your business and yourself.
1: Awesome. I do want to say though, If people are interested in uh, joining us on Title Talks, definitely reach (laughs) out to
0: us. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Just like I did, you'll end up on the show.
1: Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to add? You mentioned a resource. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so it's something that I've noticed from talking to customers, which I think is firstly the best place to start if you're marketing, is actually talking to your customers and what their pain points are, what they're looking for um but yeah so i found that a lot of our title companies had the issue of how are they going to market themselves or how do they market themselves a lot of them found that you know they don't have the time or they don't have the energy whatever they didn't have the knowledge so i'm creating an ebook on marketing your title company with, with a particular focus of marketing against bigger bigger title companies because again that's our niche so our niche is the smaller guy so i'm trying to help help them as much as possible so and i go into social selling and and things like that, and positioning. And yeah, I go into a lot more detail than what I've done here.
1: Is there anything, any sort of tidbits from that that you want to share? Or do you want to kind of keep the, those cards closer to your chest?
0: No, I'm happy to share it. I'm, I wouldn't say that there's anything to, you know, I, I do try to take a different approach to it. I'll say I, I really don't like fluff. I kind of try to get straight into it. The biggest issue that I see is website presence. I can't express that enough. Your website is how your customers find you from Google Maps. It is their first impression of you. It is absolutely just so important to your business that, uh, and I understand that most people, when they think the word web development, have no idea or no clue, and I was the same way. There are thousands of tools out there, such as Upwork, freelancer.com, where you can find for a very good price, someone that can make your website, something that will attract inbound customers instead of repel them. So I think that's the biggest thing because I, you know, I'll see, and I'm not going to go into too much details about what's repelling because it's just going to go over a lot of people's heads, but I see, you know, no SSL certificates. I see companies not stating what locality or what suburb they're in or town things that are just major repellents to something like Google. So I'd say that that would be my, if you're going to take something away from the ebook, it would be take that really actually focus on your website at the very least get a Google, my business account and try to focus it there.
1: Yeah, I, I've also heavily encouraged people to, if, if you don't have time for a website, at least get Google My Business up and a Facebook page up because people can still find you. If they Google title company near me, you still might rank and be found that way.
0: Exactly. And, and Google is actually moving or, or attempting to move people away from websites. I don't know. And it just, if you just visualize your own usage on Google, if you search something, very rarely do you not find the answer in the snippet of Google. you're actually more often than not, not clicking through to a web link. So if you don't have Google, my business, you're actually kind of really, especially moving forward with, with voice search and things like that. They're trying to take those snippets. They're trying to take very small pieces of information from your website. So get a Google, my business. It's free. It's very easy.
1: Awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to end on? Those are all the questions I had.
0: I, well, definitely. Firstly, yeah, ways to connect with me. Like I said, I'm, I'm huge on Twitter uh, my, my handle is Mitch R. Sullivan. Um, if not, please just go to a page. You'll see me and you'll see my Twitter handle and my email address. Feel free to shoot me an email. I'm happy to help with marketing. I'm happy to talk about it. Sometimes I talk too much and I just go on a ramble. So you might find that, but you know, hopefully you get something or take something away from that.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. To get Mitch's ebook on marketing for title companies, go to snapclose.com forward slash marketing dash your dash title dash company. Thanks again to Mitch for joining me today. If you have an idea for an episode, email us at title.talks at proplogix.com. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X.com. Title Talks is produced by Proplogics and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando. Original graphics are by Jordan Norris. Until next time, happy closings.